Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growth track or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. You need to get happy. You need some joy. We're talking about joy. You know, it's easy to kind of sit back and go, you know, Pastor Stephen, uh, why are we talking about joy? And why would y'all call this series The Hunt? And why would we, why would we say it's, it's something we need to search for? And the reason why is that joy is not something that a lot of us live with. And I really don't believe we understand it. You know that joy is actually a decision that you have to make in your life? There's a big difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is defined with, with something has to happen in your life for you to be happy. And most of us, this is where we stop and this is what we've been taught. We're looking for things to happen right. And, uh, you know, usually you're happy when you're, you're 21 or right when you got married and you're in on the, you know, in the honeymoon, you know, little season. And then you've been married a little while and life happens. You have some kids and you start having problems. You know, you just all kinds of stuff happen in life. It's just life. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Life happens. You wake up one day and, and you've got, you know, um, some diagnosis from the doctor that you were like, this is really, really bad. And then you're like, you know what's impossible? I'm not experiencing this joy in my life. And what I'm so grateful for is that the Bible gives us real clear direction. And um, the Apostle Paul wasn't, wasn't writing this book from some fancy hotel. He was writing it from prison. He's sitting in, in the midst of some circumstances that don't, con, that don't make sense that he should actually have joy in his life. And yet he teaches us that in this book, he talks more about joy than anything else. There's over 19 different times that he mentions the word joy or rejoice. Why would he do that? It's because I believe he found the key. And this morning, it's worth us searching what are some of the principles that God's word teaches us about what does it look like for us to truly experience joy in our life, even though our circumstances don't look great? And I want to show you this passage of scripture today in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, if you have any, any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love... If any, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and, and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. And again, having joy in the midst of our, our circumstances that don't look good, it's so countercultural. Last weekend, we talked about one of the keys that he teaches us is that 
that, that to find joy, as you search for joy, it's not found in making your circumstances perfect. It's found in understanding that it's about you recognizing the people that are in your life. And what he teaches us is that you find joy when you look at the things that you are the most grateful for. And isn't it true that you... You know, a lot of times we, you know, you see on TV, they're interviewing somebody that their house just burnt down or just blew away in a tornado. And they're saying, you know, we just lost everything, but I'm so grateful I've got the people in my life. People are what's important. And we talked about the, the, the fact of also being grateful, even in our prayers, that we can't just focus on complaining about what's wrong. Move to rejoicing in what God has done for you in your life, what he says about you in the word of God. These are key things. And today we're going to talk about the joy in being second. The joy in being second. In other words, we're going to talk about why, why does Paul teach us the fact that if you want true joy in your life, there has to be humility. There has to be this, this, this mindset that I've got to be, that I have to understand that there's true joy in being second. Now think about this for a moment. Isn't it true that the reason why we can't have joy a lot of times in our life is we're so self-focused. We're focused on ourselves. We're focused about what's happening in our life. This is why we get so offended so easily. This is why we get so upset so easily. It's because we're focused on ourselves. Our, we are focused on us. And Paul comes along and he says, if you want to experience joy, you've got to take the focus off of yourself. You can have true joy in your life, even if your circumstances aren't perfect, when you take the focus off of yourself. You know, when you get the focus on yourself, and again, this is just our default. Isn't it easy to get depressed and get sad really easy? I, this, ha this is... This happened to me recently. You know, a lot of y'all know that it was my birthday last, last Thursday. And I, like, my wife was like, kept asking me, she's like, you seem a little sad. This, this was like a week before my birthday. And I was like, babe, I am a little, like, I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of feeling sad. And I, I couldn't tell you anything specifically, but it was like, I started thinking, oh my word, I'm gonna be 54. And I'm like, I'm 50, like, babe, I'm like, look at her. I'm like, I'm 54. I'm like getting old. And she'd kind of roll her eyes at me like she wasn't helping me. <laughs> you know when you got people that you're like, you're sinking in depression and they're like pushing you over the cliff? <laughs> my wife's like just kind of rolling my eyes. She's like, well, you better work out some more and all this stuff. You know, it's like, it's like What? She's like, you got to fight it. And I'm like, babe, I'm 54. Like in six years, I'm going to be 60. And I'm thinking, 60's old. And I'm like, babe, before I know it, I'm 65. And then I'm 70. I got to go golf Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday morning. And when I went in to pay, the, the guy that was like taking my credit card and stuff, he's like, do I need a senior discount? I'm like. Absolutely. I was like, what? I'm like sad. And I was like, oh. And I was like, I'm telling you, I was moping. 
I didn't even want to do anything on my birthday. My wife's like, we need to celebrate. And I'm like, babe, I just want to eat. Let's go to Costco. That's all we're doing. <laughs> you know you're getting old when it's like, it's a big date. We're going to Costco. <laughs> and I was sad. And my brother-in-law was talking to me on Friday. And yesterday we were talking again. And he's like, man, happy birthday, old man. And and uh, he's like, my, they're from like South Georgia, so you got to say it like him. He's like, happy birthday, old man. You're like, you, you know, he's like talking. And I'm like, and you know, every time somebody was texting me this week, I, I kept going, like, they would say, happy birthday, pastor. It's like, I was like, I'll put in quotes, 54, getting old, 54, getting old, feeling really old. And my brother-in-law is talking to me yesterday, and he's like, you're like me, like happy birthday and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting old. Can you believe I'm 54? And he looks at me and he says, you're not 54. He's like, when were you born? And I said, 1966. <laughs> He's like, I'm I was born in 1966 and I'm 53. <laughs> Aren't you glad I don't do the arithmetic at the church? I was so depressed and sad and I, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my word, I'm so happy. I'm 53. I called my wife. I said, babe. And she's like, what? I was like, babe, I'm so happy. Guess what? I'm 53. I felt young. I felt good. And you know, it's so easy when you get your focus on yourself. When self is what your life is about, it's, it, it just is miserable. And the culture we live in, the world we live in, listen, this is why I think we have so many marriage problems. We have so many people. Listen, everybody has marriage problems. Let me rephrase that. Everybody has marriage. They're at, at one level or another, at different seasons in your life, you're going to have marriage problems. There are going to be issues. And thinking that your marriage is going to be perfect and you're not going to have problems ever for you to be happy, for you to really have joy in your life. It's just not reality. What if you were to get the focus off of yourself and walk in humility and understand that there is joy in being second? You begin to focus on others. And see, let me give you some definitions real quick of humility. Let me define humility for you. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And again, this, this can look a, a lot of different ways. A lot of times we want to just say, you know, it's just the people that are, are, are arrogant, that they're, they're like, um, they want all the focus on them. They're the people that need humility. And, and, you know, like there, you know, you, you know, people that you're like, man, those people are wanting to be all about themselves because they're, they're just like, they're super confident and all this kind of stuff. But it can look a lot of different ways that those are not just the people that need humility. There's also the side of the people that are, are the opposite, that they're overly self-conscious. Where, where in other words, you're always thinking about yourself where you're like wondering, do people really like me? Do people really like 
like, do I really fit in? And this is why sometimes we even struggle coming forward at the end of the service to be prayed for because we are overly conscious. We, we are preoccupied with self. And, and, and both of these are equally deadly in our life. See, again, I want you to understand that humility is thinking of yourself less often. Um, see, me equals misery. And others equals joy. When you get your focus off of yourself and you begin to think about other people and, and, and your focus moves away from yourself. And so this is a conscious decision that you have to make every day because every day that you wake up, you're going to be focused on yourself. It's just like last weekend I talked about the two lists that you have in your life. You have a list of all the things that are wrong in your life, and we are good at keeping list, lists about that, and we're writing all the details about all the things that are wrong, and then we also have the list that God is good. And we, talk, we, we oftentimes will write down the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, and you have a decision to make every day that you get up. Which list are you going to put on your mirror? Your bathroom mirror, are you going to look at every day all the things that are wrong? Or are you going to look at every day that you get up, you're going to look at things to be grateful to God of his faithfulness, of, his, of, of the blessings that he's given you in your life. The same way you have to get up every morning when you get up and you make a conscious decision to say, God, help me to walk in humility and help me not to let my focus be on myself. In other words, you start to look for opportunities to bless people around you. You know, one of the things that, again, this, this looks different in a lot of different ways, but part of it is, is that a lot of us, we spend a great, um, great amount of energy trying to impress people. We have an impression management that we try to manage, and we are, we're working on it. We're, we're thinking about it. Um, we're, we're just wanting to make people think we're better than we are. And this is why, again, um, I mean, this is so subtle. It's, even if you're like, you think about like you're trying to tell somebody that you saw, you watched some TV show and, and you don't want them to think you lay around eating Cheetos all day watching TV. So what do you say? You know, not that I watch TV a lot because we really don't watch TV at our home, but there's this show. What are you doing? You are... <laughs> And you know, it's not true. But we're, in, we're, we're, we're doing this impression management that we're working on because what we care, we are, it's about us. And listen to me, as long as your focus is on you and, and you're thinking about what do people think about me and, and you're, you're thinking about what, it, what is my husband or what is my wife doing for me, you will always be miserable. Because your life has become all about you. Your, your, your thoughts, everything. Listen, let me go on. It says, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. It says, do nothing. I love the word nothing. It says, what, what does the, the word nothing in the Greek mean? Nothing. Some of y'all pastors getting deep over there. <laughs> Woo. Imagine if somebody came up to you and they said, hey, what have you done lately to promote yourself? And you were to, able to say nothing. 
Imagine if somebody were to walk up to you and say, you know, what have you done lately to make people think that you are awesome and you were able to genuinely say, I haven't done anything about that. I just am focused on other people. He says, do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let's look at the words, the phrase selfish ambition, ambition or vain conceit. I did a study on these words this week and listen to what self-ambition means in the original Greek. It means when you look to your own interest instead of the interest of God or other people. It's trying to achieve something at the expense of others. Vain conceit is also really interesting to me because you take those two words and I, I thought they meant the same thing. But in fact, vain conceit, there, there's two different parts to it. The word vain means lacking substance. The word conceit means having a high opinion of yourself. You put those two words together and you get a person who has a high opinion of themselves, but there's not a whole lot of substance to back it up. You think about just practically what Paul is teaching us. It's, it's when you post on Facebook and Instagram or any social media, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Let me go on and let me show you some other. It says in, in Philippians 2, 4, it says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you in the interest of the others. Um, again, if you were to summarize this message into one word, it's the word others. It's, it's others-focused, that your life is others-focused. And, you know, if you're married, let me just ask you, this last week, were you looking to your spouse's interests or were you looking to your own? Were you trying to meet the needs of your spouse? Or are you trying to meet your own needs and, and sitting around wondering why they're not meeting your needs? Jesus said it's always about other people. And in verse 5 of chapter 2, he says this, is that we should have the same mindset, the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Jesus Christ had this attitude that he was focused on other people. Let me show you some other, again, I really want you to understand the power of you living in humility. You know that James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Why is humility so important? Because God's greatest character quality that he's looking for in the kingdom is the quality of humility. Self-promotion always leads to demotion in the kingdom of God. It's just the way that it works. You look at this, this scripture in James chapter 4, verse 6, where actually it says that God opposes the proud. It says... Again, God opposes the proud. In the original Hebrew, it's, it's used as a militaristic language where it's actually God lines up against the proud. You want God to give you grace and special favor, special anointing, special blessing in your life. You've got to choose humility in your life. Listen to Matthew 23, 12. It says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. The power of humility. 
Let me show you this. In Philippians 2.14, it says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Now, let me talk about that for just a few moments. Do you know that when we find ourselves grumbling and complaining, it happens because we're too focused on ourselves. When you're complaining and you find yourself complaining about everything that's going wrong in your life, it's because you're focused on yourself. And it says this, again, that you're complaining and you're arguing. And, and you know, when you're miserable with, with what's going on and, and you're complaining about it, it, it starts to make you want to just be argumentative. And a lot of us have made a big mess of out, of, out of our life because of our arguing. I was thinking about back when I was in ninth grade, my parents, a lot of y'all know my parents were missionaries and they still are. And my, uh, every couple of years, my parents traveled around to churches. And so they'd come back to America and we were living in Houston and um, we were going to the school over in Pasadena, a Christian school. And so there was a girl that would give us this ride uh, over there. It was over close to an hour drive across the ship channel ship channel and some of you know what I'm talking about there's this tunnel that goes under the uh, ship channel and it's pretty cool getting to go underneath the, the uh, end of the tunnel and you go to the other side and you get into Pasadena or what a lot of people call Stinkadena because <laughs> of all the plants that are over there and we would go every day and, and my brother like again I was I know it's hard to believe but I was pretty argumentative I love to argue with people and I was just like man nobody's gonna tell me what to do and I know none of y'all were like that but I was that way and I was sitting in the back with my brother and I was starting to argue with this lady that was driving and and giving us this ride every day and, and I was like you can't tell me what to do and I was just arguing with her back and forth and like, and, and like I'm like I'm, I'm like in ninth grade you can't tell me what to do and all this stuff and she's like you're in my car you're gonna do what I say and I'm like, I'm not doing what you're saying. She finally just stopped in the middle of nowhere before you cross the, the, the ship channel. And she just said, y'all need to get out of my car. That's a tough girl. And I'm like, well, you ain't going to tell me what to do. I, we both got out. My brother looked at me and he said, you idiot. And we're like, what do we do now? And I'm like, I'm telling my brother, what do we do? And he's like, well, you better call mom and dad. I'm like, where do we go? And there was this bar that we went in. And, and I know some of y'all are going like, to go, what in the world? Like, um, back then, we didn't have cell phones. We had these phones on the wall. <laughs> and you had to have a quarter. You had to have 25 cents to make a phone call. And I remember going in there and making this phone call, calling my mom and dad, telling them what I had done. And, and like, I'm like, Mom, Dad, they, this girl just left us. And she like, I told her the truth that I was arguing with her and all this stuff. My parents came and got me, immediately took me and made me apologize to this girl. I was thinking about that, you know, how that illustrates that a lot of us have made a mess out of our lives because we're so focused on ourselves and our rights and our pride makes us want to be argumentative and, and kind of like, you know, I'm going to tell everybody and you're just kind of wait, you're kind of dancing around wanting to fight with everybody. And it really doesn't bring joy in your life. You know that you see this even in marriages is that some of us, we, we don't know when to stop even when we get in these arguments. And I've been guilty of this. Just ask my wife. 
most of the time I'm wrong, but I think I'm right in my head, but I'm really wrong. And I'm like, I'm not shutting up. And I'm like, I'm like, keep on talking. And even when I'm walking out the room, I'm, I'm saying one more thing. I got to get one more thing in. I know none of y'all do that, but like I struggle. <laughs> and it's, it, it's, what does that do? It's because of the selfishness in my life. And sometimes what we need to understand is that, you know what? I need to shut up because I value my relationship over winning an argument. Now, I want to just help you move beyond yourself and understand the bigness of your life when you start to focus and put other people in front of yourself. The bigness of what your life can be like when you start to think about the people around you and the opportunities that, that you have to make a difference in people's lives. I mean, think about this, that, that all of us, at one time or another, most of us can think about somebody in our life that they, they had humility and they, they, they said, you know what, it's not about my comfort, it's not about me, I'm going to put you first and I'm going to take care of you. For some of you, maybe it was an uncle that you had that you were like, you know what, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad were alcoholics and there was no stability in my house, but like... I, I turned 18 and I had no place to go and I lived in all this chaos and, and my uncle let me move in with him. And you're like, you know, my uncle, they didn't have extra space and it wasn't convenient, but they put me first. After the 930 service today, I was talking to a lady, her name is Anita, and she, she was sharing with me, she started to cry and she said, you know what, my story is like that. I was a single mom 30 years ago and there was a lady that let me and my daughter move in with them. You want to have joy in your life? You start to step into kind of moments like that. See, what happens is we live right now in a world that everybody, it's, it's all about us and everybody better get out of my way. And every once in a while, somebody kind of crosses your path and we chew them out and we argue with them and, and, and we let them have a piece of our mind. And we're really good at telling people off. But we're not having joy in our life. We're just getting angry at the world. And it's because our focus is on ourselves. You think about maybe 20 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe even 40 years ago, you were a young kid and somebody said, you know what? It's not about our comfort in our house. And yeah, like, we're going to do something for you. Maybe somebody went out and bought you a car. Maybe somebody went out and did something for you that they helped you. And, and what, what is that? that? That's humility. That's putting other people in front of yourself where you say, you know what, I, I, I don't have to, this doesn't have to be about my satisfaction. This is about me making a difference. That's where the true joy is. I wanted to show you this video in closing today of Kevin Durant. Most of you know who Kevin Durant is. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And he's just, just a great, great uh, man. And he's a, a professing Christian and Christ follower. And, and several years ago, he was awarded um, in the NBA MVP, most valuable player of the NBA. And, and it's a huge, huge honor and um, got this award. And he gave this speech and I loved, you know what I loved about his speech is he didn't get up and talk about how great he is. 
He didn't get up and talk about what an amazing basketball player he is. He got up and he systematically thanked all 14 members of his team. And he, he just went in detail talking about all the things that, that those players did for him in his life. And then he ends with thanking his mom for putting him first. And I want you to watch this video just real quick of his speech. And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys by the time you were 21 years old. Everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. What a powerful video, man. You know, the real MVPs in this place are the moms and dads and people that have made decisions to consciously not make it about themselves. It's dads that come home from work and dog tired. And everything within you wants to say, y'all just leave me alone to your kids. You want to go sit in your chair, maybe watch some TV or look at your phone, scroll through some social media or whatever. And it's the dad that says, I'm going to go out there and play ball with my kid or I'm going to go bike riding with my son. That's being an MVP. It's the person that decides to go do something for a single mom, like mow their yard. You know, you think about who's been an MVP in your life. 
For some of us, maybe we need to make an MVP acceptance speech and call somebody and you need to call them and say, you know what, I just, I wanted to call you or I wanted to come over and just tell you thank you for what you did for me. See, everything inside of you is going to fight. It's going to fight to make it about yourself. When you can make your life where you can begin to put it together, where you say, my life is not about myself. My life is not about me. It is about other people. And God's going to put people in your life. You start with your family, start with your spouse, start with your kids, where you you focus and listen to me. This room is full of people like that. And I think every, every so often we need to be reminded of this, that the true joy of our life is not found in me trying to be number one. True joy is found in being second putting other people in front of me and serving and making a difference. You know, I don't know what the legacy of your life is going to be like. Is the legacy of your life going to be he spent his whole life trying to find himself and trying to make himself happy? Or is it, you know what, he made or she made her life about other people and making a difference? I want to pray for you today and just ask you to bow your heads for just a few moments. Father, thank you, God, that you speak into our lives. Lord, I pray that all of us, God, as we bow our heads and we pray, God, I pray that you would forgive us for making our lives about ourselves. Forgive us for being so selfish. Forgive us for being preoccupied with ourselves and we are missing out on the true joy of life. And God, and that is putting other people in front of ourselves. God, may we humble ourselves, God, and serve, love people like you love them. Father, I thank you for this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.